Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And before we get into our next rendition of our interview series, uh, make sure that you uh, give us a like, subscribe, follow, um, leave a rating. Really helps us know that you're enjoying what's going on. Uh, but today, definitely a very exciting, uh, very exciting episode, I could say. We have our, our very first uh, record holder. We have the, the North American record holder and uh, broke the record after the 20-year 20, 20 mark, uh, three or four-time All-American uh, Jordan Gray in the women's decathlon. Jordan, welcome uh, to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This is super exciting. Can't wait to talk women's decathlon with you. For sure. Uh, looking forward to it. And um, one, one, one question I love to, to, to learn because it's so strange. You're, you come from a very small town. Uh, I think I read in uh, with the N an NBC article, what, if you blink, you might miss it. Uh, how do you go, how does someone go from living in a you know, small town America to then being an American record holder? Uh, you know, you not a lot of people would, you know, give that, you know, go from one to the other, um, you know, with that type of stuff. Yeah, so I came from Ballground, Georgia, super small town, um, really farm town type feel. Um, I grew up on a small farm, chickens, goat, all of that. Um, it was a great childhood. I loved it. And I got into track and field actually when I was 17 years old. I was going into my senior year of high school, um, but I was homeschooled my entire life and didn't have any opportunities to run for a school. So I had to run AAU club. So I played sports all my life. I played basketball, softball, taekwondo, tennis. I mean, you name it, I was probably in it. But track and field, just being homeschooled and not being a part of an actual school, there weren't a ton of opportunities until my mom learned about an AAU club. And even though I was 17, the coach was awesome and let me come try out. His name was Blaine Williams. His daughter is Kendall Williams, who actually went to the Olympics um, in the heptathlon, which is kind of where I got my start. Because when I came to track and field, I was actually coming off a basketball injury where I had sprained my ankle so bad I'd pulled a piece of the bone off. So I was in a boot for that ankle. And then I'd sprain my other ankle trying to compensate. And I was in a brace for that ankle. So my first day of track practice, um, the coach was kind of like, well, I mean, we can teach you how to throw. And I was like, awesome. This big metal ball and a spear, like, let's do it. Like, that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. And so did that for a little bit. And then as soon as I got out of the boot and the brace, he was like, oh, well, you're kind of fast and you can jump. So like, we're just going to make you a heptathlete. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how part is around a track. I don't know what these events are called. I don't know anything, but I'll do it because it sounds fun. Um, and that was my first track meet was, um, doing the heptathlon. It was a fun day, but, um, I was really confused kind of when I came to track and field, because I remember looking around at everyone and being like, wait, we don't all do this. Like, I thought everybody did track and field. Like you guys specialize, like you do one thing. And that was like really weird to me. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got my start in all of that. That's that's wild. Uh, and a lot, a lot of things to unpack, but first you got started at, at 17 when a lot of people are, they're, you know, looking to, they've been doing it for probably, you know, a few people have been doing it for like 10, 10 years or so before that. And, and you just getting started so late, like 
did that do you, would you see that as more of a, a benefit or was it kind of, you know, a little issue? Like, would have you liked to have started earlier or do you think, you know, starting when, you know, when you did was, you know, a little helpful for you want to continue? I liked that I started at 17 because for one, I was a multi-sport athlete, which I feel like um, even, you know, just basketball, because that was my huge focus, just doing that kind of conditioning, those sprints, that agility, that athleticism in being in tons of different kinds of sports really helped me because then when I jumped into the heptathlon, I mean, when I grabbed a javelin for the first time, my dad was like, crow hop, center field, home base, throw it. And I was like, done like that, you know, and I already knew kind of how to throw and then just the running and the sprinting, like, I obviously didn't know all the straight mechanics, but I kind of had that in me and the jumping, like that was my huge thing was knuckling the rim, you know, in basketball. And like, so I really enjoyed the fact that I got to do lots of different sports and doing all those different sports, I think really helped me make me a better heptathlete, especially right off the bat. Um, if you ask my coach, there are probably some habits I had picked up from other sports that he kind of had to hammer out of me. But um, honestly, it was just when I got into college that I was most intimidated. Um, I wasn't really intimidated in high school. I wasn't really, you know, had any really thoughts about the fact that I'd started late until I got to college and everybody knew terminology and things I didn't know. Um, so I would be like on the track warming up and my coach would be like, okay, we're going to take a lap. And during the exchange zones, you're going to side shuffle. Everybody understand? I'd be like, yep. And then I'd turn around and be like, I have no idea what an exchange zone is. Like somebody needs to tell me what we're talking about. Um, so I like that I started late. It was honestly just kind of getting that learning curve early college. That was the scariest for me. How, how was it that you found uh, your college to, to be able to compete at? Because I know a lot of, yeah, a lot of athletes will be like, oh, they'll have, they'll show the times that you have from freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. And then you, you had your, your performances from what's 17. So what your junior, senior year, yeah how was it that you found a school so quickly to go from, hey, this is my first meet ever doing a heptathlon to then eventually becoming a multi all-american um not too much longer so my first season was that outdoor right before going into senior year but because my um club coach was really into the multi he had a daughter that was going to uga he was open to some of the better athletes going to some of the indoor stuff so i went to a meet at etsu indoor that was just open high school um, and there is where a few colleges kind of started reaching out to me, talking to me. Um, my mile split account got some messages like to my dad, but Kennesaw State University saw me at that meet. And one of the coaches there just kind of came over and was like, hey, you seem like you've doing a lot of stuff here. Like we might be able to use you. Here's our card. Um, but I looked at a lot of different schools. Um, I only went on a couple of official visits, but when I went to Kennesaw State University, there were a handful of reasons I picked that school. Um, one was mainly the coach, and it's the coach I train with now. Um, out of all the schools I visited, even the private Christian schools, he was the most outspoken Christian of any coach I talked to, which was huge to me. And then also, I'm a big planner, and I want to know why I'm doing stuff. I don't like doing stuff just because I'm told. Like, I'm a good listener, but I like to know that there's reason. And my coach coaches for a reason. When I walked into his office, there were just bookshelves of endocrinology and kinesiology and annual planning and periodization. And I mean, just like floor to ceiling. And I was like, ah, yes, this man knows what it takes. And so um, me and my dad both left that meeting and I was like, dad, I'm coming to this school. And he's like, yep. 
yep, you are. <laughs> and um, just kind of went from there. It wasn't a super hard decision for me. Yeah, it, it's it definitely is helpful when you when you just go there and you know, yeah, this is this is the place. Like I had a, a similar experience with with my school where I went onto onto the campus. I went to Mount St. Mary's, really tiny school in uh, in Maryland. Also, uh, pretty good with the, the decathlon as well. But so we we I went onto the campus and like I had the the same meeting like with my coach. And then like I, I remember leaving with my mom and being like, yep, yeah, I I want to go there. I, even though I try to convince myself of other play, I'm like, oh, maybe this one. But I like, I always I knew I was like, no, nah, I know I'm gonna be coming, you know, to this school because there's something about having a great coach that you you can believe in and you know believes in you, uh, especially when you know you only know them for what a couple, you know, over mile split messages or a few phone calls. It's something that's. Oh, really I completely fun. agree. There are high school kids, or you know college kids a lot of times are the ones that transfer because they had a bad coach and you hear coaches say all the time you know don't go to a school because of the coach and I just completely disagree with that and you know their reasoning is usually that coach can leave that coach can whatever but that's true even if you go to a school not because you don't like the coach like I don't think that people realize how much that coach is going to impact your life I mean, what classes you're in, what your schedule looks like, what your spring break looks like, what you're, I mean, if you have to spend four hours a day with someone every day, you better like that person or your life's just going to be miserable because that's a lot of time to invest in someone and who's going to be investing into you if you don't like them. So yeah, I completely agree. The coach for me was the biggest decision. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spending the most time of anyone at the university for most athletes. That's the person you're going to spend the most time with. So if you don't get along with them, you know, you're, you're going to have a tough time. Hope, hopefully you have good roommates and a good coach. Those are the two people you're going to talk to the most. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what was, what did your coach say when you first told him, Hey, yeah, I love this heptathlon. It's great and all, but I want to do you know what the boys are doing. I want to do the decathlon. <laughs> what was his first thought when you said, you know, you kind of want to you know, try something new? Well, so my coach, um, it was kind of a gradual thing because I had to sit out my freshman year outdoor because of an injury I got at the indoor conference meet. Um, and I remember going to the outdoor conference meet anyway, because I wanted to support my teammates and I was standing there watching pole vault. And I was like, this looks cool. I want to learn this. And so I said, hey, you're going to teach me pole vault. And he said, no, I'm not. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, we're going to. And all the boys started making jokes about like poles and, you know, just how guys are. And I was like, you all can make as many jokes as you want, as long as somebody teaches me how to pole vault. Um, And so I just kind of bugged him repeatedly until one day the following year, after a really hard practice, he was like, okay, Jordan, like, if you want to come vault, the guys have vault today. If you want to come join in, I was like, I am so tired, but if I do not take this opportunity, he will never offer it again. So I went and started pole vaulting. And from then on out, I was pole vaulting. And then kind of later the next year, um, it looked like I might have to throw discus to get some points at conference. And he asked me if I was willing to learn discus. And I was like, yeah. And then I kind of honestly just started thinking about it. And I was like, why do women even do the heptathlon? 
this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And honestly, it took a while to click in my brain, I think, because we're very used to, especially when you're a girl from a very young age, like, no, you don't get to play football. You have to, you know, wait till powder puff or no, you don't get to play baseball past age five. You have to switch to softball. So I think we're just very used to being told like, no, you don't get to do that. Like that's for the boys now and you have to go find something else. Like the boys can play football. You can shake pom-poms for them if you want, but like you don't actually get to play. Um, and so I kind of started looking into it a little bit more and I was like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous and I want to do the full decathlon. Like, I don't want to be doing the seven events. I already pole vault. I want to do a decathlon. I think the 1500 would be better than the 800. <laughs> like, that's what I want to do. So I went up to my coach and I was like, Hey, so at some point I'm going to do a decathlon. And he said, no. And I said, that's what you said about pole vault. <laughs> and here we are. And so, um, but part of the reason he said no wasn't because he didn't support me. It was just because there weren't really any opportunities. Like you're not going to go to NCAAs. You can't do it at a college meet. If you're going to do it, it's going to be some weird little meet in the summer. So, um, but because I was doing those other events and because I wanted to do it, um, I pretty much trained for a decathlon for like two to three years before I even ever got to do one. Um, I was training, you know, mostly 800 training, not really any 1500 meter training, but I was doing discus and pole vault and every other event. Um, and so in 2019, I got to go do that decathlon and my coach was amazing after my coach switched gears into, Oh, there's an opportunity. And this is something you could do. Like it completely switched from no to 100%. Yes. Let's figure out how to make this happen. Yeah, that's, it's got to be uh, an interesting, once again, have to have a good relationship with your coach to be able to do that. Like, I, like, I guarantee you, if you, if you go to reach out to a coach that you don't like, or doesn't like you, and you're like, yeah, I want to focus on an event that we're not gonna have the opportunity to compete in at, you know, national meet conference championships, whatever it might be, pr probably will shut you down right away and not second guess it. So Oh, for sure. And that's a huge problem I encounter right now, even with high school girls or girls in college. And they say, yeah, like I want to do a decathlon. I want to train for a decathlon. But if I ever bring it up to my coach, they say no, because I can't help them at conference. Like I can't do those things. So there are even some girls that reach out to me and at their conference meet, they do the heptathlon and they pole vault. And they're like, I want to learn discus. I want to learn those things. But because I can't throw discus well enough to score in our conference, why is my coach going to take the time to teach it to me? Um, and so on it, that is something that I encounter is a lot of girls wanting the decathlon, but coaches aren't willing to believe in that for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a shame that there's uh, a, a legion and a lot of girls that are, hey, you want to have the title of the, the world's greatest athlete, like, I, everything when I whenever I see the you know the pages or on ESPN happens all the time like oh is this person the world's greatest athlete you know it's always LeBron James or Tom Brady whatever it is and I'm like I mean no it's not like, you know there's this decathlon thing but you know you know women don't get the opportunity to do it in a actual setting that isn't like these smaller meets um, which is unfortunate I mean what are some some things that are obstacles you've noticed in actually attempting to get this to become a, you know, a, an event. I know you have the, the petition, which recently went over, I think it's over 6,600 signatures, which is impressive. Um, what are some difficulties that you've had over the past, you know, year or so that of, you know, getting this to be a, a, a thing? There are a lot, I'm going to be honest. There are probably too many to talk about um, within an hour podcast, but 
Um, I think the biggest problem is trying to get the higher ups to understand that it's not about the elite heptathletes. It's about the future generations of women and the past generations of women. A lot of times they want to focus on the girls that are making, you know, getting gold at the Olympics and that have sponsorships and all these things. And they say, well, would you like to switch to a decathlon? And they say, no, which is completely understandable. Why in the world would you so late in your career? Why would you, when you have sponsorship money, why would you, when you're able to go get a gold medal in this Olympics, why, why in the world would you want to switch your event? Um, but those are the people they ask. And then they say, well, most of them said no. And so we don't want to do this, but they don't focus on the girls that are in high school. They don't focus on the girls that are in college and women have been doing the decathlon for like 50 years. Like, it's not like it's anything new to us. Women have been doing this for forever. And it's been an official IAAF event for, I think almost 20 now. And so it's not like women all over the world haven't been breaking records in their countries and competing and wanting this opportunity, but getting those people in the higher chairs to understand this is about both the future and the past, not about just your few people right at the top in a completely different event is very hard. Yeah, it, it's hard to live in the, in the, right, in the right now um, with, with the event where it's yeah you have the you have the difficulties of those top level athletes that don't want to you know why yeah like you mentioned why would i want to transition to a you know a different event i mean i'm sure if the you know on on the men's side if they were like hey you know you're doing the decathlon we're you're actually going to do the heptathlon now mm -hmm. I, i'm sure like it's like okay it's it's less events but i'm like i'm a i was originally a vaulter this is like one of my strong events i want to keep yeah. doing that i'm sure you know it would it's not just the idea that you know, you're adding events or taking away events. It's like, Hey, I'm good at this thing. I don't want to change it because you know, this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm strong at right now. I, and I completely agree. And I think that a lot of times people get very upset because they think that the movement is to get rid of the heptathlon, which is not the case at all. It's just to add the decathlon right now, especially because it's so well established at this point for the heptathlon. And there are so many people that are getting sponsorship money and this is the event they love. Like if I am being forced to do a multi, I don't want to do, why would I ever want to force another woman to do a multi she doesn't want to do? So it's definitely not a movement to get rid of the heptathlon. And a lot of times they immediately assume that I and other female decathletes think of heptathletes as lesser athletes, which I don't understand necessarily because I've never said and other decathletes never say or allude to that. But to me, that's almost like saying, well, Usain Bolt is less of an athlete. He's less of a sprinter because he has, it doesn't have to do the sprint endurance training that world record holders in the 400 have to do. Well, no, just because he has easier, easier workouts, you know, than a traditional 400 meter runner who's having to do like 300 repeats and stuff doesn't mean that he's any less of an athlete just because he has, doesn't have to go as far. And so like saying that a female heptathlete is any less of an athlete just because they have three less, you know, events to compete in, I don't think is a fair assessment or judgment at all. Um, but it is very hard to get people to understand that for some reason. Yeah, because people will will think, oh, because I this per you run a shorter distance or because you are doing less events, it's automatically an easier event. I know when I first when I first uh, did track and field, I was like, oh, I want to be a sprinter because it's the hundred meter dash and that is the shortest distance that I have to run. Therefore, it's got to be the easiest. And like you you realize, oh, like 
just because you your events the 100 it does yeah sure you're not gonna have to do 800 meter you know or 600 repeats but you're gonna be doing an awful lot of 150s and 200s oh, <laughs> so for sure you're going to get, sure. you're going to get your mileage in one way or another. It just depends on if it's going to be like at the 400 meter mark or if it's going to be at the 150 meter mark. And it's, yeah, it's similar with heptathlon and decathlon. It's like, yeah, sure. You're not, they don't have, if you're a heptathlete, you don't have to do pole vault, but it's not like you just take that time out of your practice schedule and you throw it away. It means you're, instead of vaulting, you might be doing, you know, the, the getting ready for the, the 200 or the, the hurdles or whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. And it's very, yeah, it's just a very difficult conversation to have, especially with very close-minded people who love the heptathlon, because whenever you say add the women's decathlon, they automatically take that as an attack, which is funny because it's honestly more coaches. Like other female heptathletes are like, yes, girl, go for it. Like, I don't want to do a decathlon, but you do it. Like, I want to see you do a decathlon, you know? And they're honestly the women that are empowering other women. I've never heard, none of them have ever told me like that they think that this is a bad idea or that they don't want to see it. Most of them come up to me and like actually tell me they want to see women do the decathlon. Um, it's more coaches. And I think part of the problem is because a lot of times coaches can just take a really good sprinter jumper and say, oh, we'll teach you how to throw. And then they have a great heptathlete um, because it's so much more speed and power oriented. And I don't think that a lot of coaches want to take the time that are already training male decathletes to switch female heptathletes or to add female decathletes into their time because coaches are already running ragged and track and field, as you know. Um, so that's honestly who I get more attacked from. It's not the actual athletes. Mm -hmm. I mean, who have been some of your, your biggest supporters though, with this time? I mean, yeah, you mentioned there's a, a mountain of people that might not be wanting to get this to be, be a thing, but who, who's been your, your biggest supporters in being able to get this to, you know, to happen? So let me pull this out actually, because there is, um, Dan Fath has been retweeting like everything that I put out, which is obviously amazing. Um, it makes me super excited because he's like a track and field legend. So that's been really cool to see. Like the first time he retweeted something about the women's decathlon, I was like, oh my gosh, what? And screenshotted it and like sent it to a bunch of people and was super excited um, that he would do that. And then Christian Taylor has been really supportive as well. Um, he's done, um, he's the, you know, gold medalist in the yeah. Olympic triple jump. And he's messaged me and said, you know, what a big supporter he is and asked if there's any way that he can help. Um, there's one more person I might need to edit this part out while I'm searching for this super quick mm -hmm. because he has been awesome. And I'm going to mess up his name because I always say his last name wrong. Okay. And then there's Trey Hardy. Um, Trey Hardy has repeated or retweeted so much stuff. And, you know, he's even talked about how he has daughters, you know, and he learned nine out of the 10 events in college. And he's like, my daughters don't have the opportunity to do that, which is pretty cool and incredible to hear. Um, so there are some big name people that are really behind it and asking questions. Um, and there's actually a few meetings <laughs> that I have here soon with some other people. Um, so that'll be really interesting and I will keep you updated whenever those happen. But um, 
Yeah, so that's really neat. But a lot of the supporters are honestly girls and their parents. Um, a lot of people just saying like, I have a daughter, I have a sister, I have a mom who did this in college, I have whatever. And like, thank you for fighting for this. And where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think it's a journey that is is worth pursuing. I mean, I know what, uh, what was it? Man, long, long time ago, what when when women weren't allowed to do what the marathon and it's just like, hey, yeah, this is not something you do. And you'd probably got, got a lot of pushback of, oh, no, why, why would you want to do a longer event instead of what the, I think it was just the half marathon at the time. And then, you know, women started doing it. And now it's, uh, it's in what it's, I believe, yeah, it's an Olympic event. And so it, it's, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, at, in the beginning, sure, tons of pushback because it's, it's, it's a harder event, it's longer, and then eventually got sanctioned and then the women that uh you know started specializing in the marathon and, and started doing well there so it's not like it's it, it, i'm sure it'd be the same thing here where there would be plenty of women that would be you know super super great at the decathlon should it become actually available uh more more handedly i completely agree and i think the hardest thing too is like because originally we only had the pentathlon we weren't we weren't allowed the full decathlon we could only do five events um, and then in the 80s, 70s, 80s, um, it switched to heptathlon because we were finally strong enough to throw the javelin um, and our uterus wouldn't fall out or anything. So it was going to be Congrats fine. on that. Yeah. Yeah. We got to run a little bit longer in the 200. Yeah. Stuff. It was going to be okay. Um, and so we got the heptathlon and a lot of people think that actually if the uh, pentathlon hadn't changed until around the 90s that we actually might have gone straight to full decathlon because the biggest problem in the um, 70s 80s whenever it changed to the heptathlon was the belief that women couldn't pole vault um, and that's what really kept women from getting the full decathlon in the first place but now the heptathlon's just been so established and it's such a tradition that a lot of people don't want to see it change but even when we were only given the heptathlon there were women saying screw that i'm going to do the full decathlon and have been doing it for since the photos were black and white mm -hmm. yeah it's it's an event that yeah i'm sure the more the more handedly it becomes the the better the more, more widespread it becomes the more athletes that would you know get better at it and the, the better these records would go um and and the more the higher vaulters would vault or the faster runners would run um, could you kind of take us into that, that race, or I guess the competition when you broke the, the American record? I mean, did you going into it, were you like, yeah, this is like, I, I this is a goal of mine to, to break this record or did it just kind of sneak up on you? <laughs> like when you're lining up for the 15, you're like, oh, this is something I could do. No, it was definitely a goal going in. Um, we had kind of looked it up, done the numbers, me and my coach, and he actually, called the drug testing comp like he called USADA and was like hey I think there's an American record hold like gonna break or so sorry there's an American record that's going to be broken um can you come drug test this girl after her competition so it can be ratified um which was fun because I got drug tested in a grocery store after the competition um but yeah so going in there's definitely that goal and actually um during shot put I didn't do anything near what I was supposed to quote to break that record and I was like oh no coach like I'm not gonna get it we flew all the way out here and we thought I could do it just like Jordan it's like event three like <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna be fine 
um, and talked me down off that little ledge. But like, it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but honestly, I was just truly so incredibly excited because I had been wanting to do one for literally years by that point. And I had just watched the guys and every time I went to a heptathlon, I was like, okay, so I've spent all this time pole vaulting. I've spent all this time on discus. I've spent all this time doing these things and I could do better in the heptathlon. Maybe if I had taken time out to do this and yeah, I can help score a couple more points for my team at conference, you know, doing these extra events, but like, I want to do the full decathlon. And every time I went to do a heptathlon, it's not like I didn't like the heptathlon. There's just always a little bit of gray cloud over it that I didn't get to use everything I was training for and that I wanted to do so badly. Um, so I was nervous, but truly I was just walking around town with the biggest smile on my face for two days, um, doing that decathlon. And then when I crossed the finish line of the 1500, I literally broke down crying and was walked over and gave the meet directa Becca Peters um, because she had helped put that whole thing together. If it wasn't for Becca Peters, we would not have had that competition. She is an amazing woman. Um, but I walked over and hugged her just crying and was like, you have literally made my dream come true. Um, so yeah, it was an incredible time, not just because of the record, but because that was like, that was like the really big cherry on top, obviously. Um, maybe the whipped cream and the cherry, <laughs> but the, the, um, the milkshake per se was the fact that I just got to do one at all. Mm-hmm. For, so for, for you, I'm sure that you probably, I mean, you mentioned it a few times earlier, um, you know, the difficulty of choosing between the HEP and the decathlon. I mean, obviously the, a, a lot of the, the money in, in our sport from what little there is, uh, is, is in, uh, for at least on the women's side in the, in the HEP and, and the pentathlon. Uh, but your obvious passion here is you want to, you know, continue with, with the decathlon. Cause that's, you know, your, your passion there, but how has, how has been, I don't know what maybe type, type of internal conflict have you had, um, if there was at all with choosing to focus on the decathlon, because like you mentioned, I'm sure if you had, if you want to, if you decided, Hey, I'm going to just, you know, bite my tongue and do the HEP. I'm sure you could, that those times would, you know, increase as well. How was that gone for you to decide to, to choose to stick with There it? hasn't been any internal conflict, honestly. <laughs> um, I like, I'm the type of person that when I kind of put my mind to something or I choose that this is what I want to do. Like I'm going to go for that thing. And so as soon as I was like, I want to do the decathlon, like, it's not like I hate the HEP. It's not any of that, but that is going to be my focus. And I'm going to be a decathlete who is just forced to do the heptathlon every once in a while. Um, so there have been a handful of times, um, where I'm like, dang, like I could have gotten that better, you know, high jump mark, maybe if I had focused more on high jump instead of doing pole vault, or if I had, you know, just little things like that. But um, it's honestly only been like blips of moments during competition or after competition is over. For the most part, I am just 100% training decathlon. Um, Every once in a while, I do do a little bit of like 800 training or 200 meter modeling. But for the most part, I mean, like my workout today was 400 meter. Um, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm doing. Um, it's not to increase those heptathlon times. It's definitely focused on increasing the decathlon times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it hasn't really been an internal conflict for me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. 
Could you take us into what uh, a decathlon, a decathlete's practice looks like? Uh, I guess like a week, like which days are you doing which events and you know, what kind of, what that might look like for, for people that aren't familiar? Yeah. So obviously of the 10 events and I'll just list those off. You have for your running the hundred meter dash, the hundred meter hurdles, the 400 and the 1500 for your throws, you have the javelin, the shot put and the discus. And then for your jumps, you have the pole vault, the high jump and the long jump. So getting 10 events in in a week is obviously extremely challenging, but I think the hardest part is the training design in what you want to really spend most of your neural energy on. So um, a lot of times the beginning of the week or after a rest day will be more hurdles um, because hurdles are very neurally demanding and your nervous system takes a long time to recover versus your metabolic system doesn't take as much time. So usually on the days that I would do like sprint endurance or like neural endurance is also a day like pole vault and long jump versus really fast stuff is like the 100 meter dash, the 100 meter hurdles. Um, The end of the week is definitely the killer time. That's the time where you're doing stuff like the 1500 meter work, um, usually a little bit of javelin. Um, And then on the days that you're just kind of doing metabolic stuff like strength and different things, you can do shot put. Um, However, that has changed around in my schedule sometimes. That's kind of the art of coaching, right? You Mm -hmm. got... um, coaches that are really going to put a lot of focus into it. And so um, even though we think of shot put as typically being more metabolic, you know, you're just grunting and getting this thing out there and you can do it on um, strength developing days. There have been some cycles where we put shot put on Monday just because we really need to focus on shot put and we want to do that when we're neurally fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does switch around a little bit, but for the most part, you're focusing your sprint days on days you're really well recovered, usually in the beginning of the week. And then you slowly dwindle it down to like that grunt time at the end of the week, which will be your distance and things like throwing. Yeah. So you got, you're doing a whole lot of events because people will realize, wait, the decathlon 10 events, there's only seven days in a week. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of days where, where you're going to be doing multiple events in a day, which for someone like me, so I was just a pole vaulter. uh, I couldn't imagine uh, having to do what I'm doing on top of, oh yeah, after you vault, you have other stuff that you do. I, I remember I would, I would, in my vaulting practice, there was a couple, you know, decathletes. And so they, they'd vault and they're like, okay, time to do hurdles or shot put after. I'm like, you're doing stuff after this. You're like, yeah. And then we're doing stuff on Sunday too. I'm like what? Like, that's, that's crazy. So all, all the stuff, uh, I give all the credit to decathletes. It is not easy at all. Super hard. Yeah. It, it can get really intense. I think that's, one of the hardest things too for really dedicated decathletes because you just want to do everything that you possibly can to increase those times and distances, but you only have a hundred percent to give. Like as much as we want to think that we can give more, you can only give a hundred percent effort in a week or in a day or in a whatever. And so, you know, even where hurdlers might be able to be like, oh, I'm going to go do like a hundred hurdles today because, you know, I get to do strength stuff tomorrow. Like I don't have to worry about it. So today I'm doing so many. You have to be like, okay, today's my hurdle day, but I can't take a hundred hurdles because I have to come back tomorrow and I have to high jump and do these other things. So there's definitely a lot of planning that goes into it. 
Yeah, it's got to be difficult because yeah, for someone that does just one event, yeah, you can go all out on your on your vault days. Where if you for you, it's like, oh yeah, I want to get let me get one or two more jumps, you know, in the in the pit. Like I, I know I got I got this technique. It's like, but I can't because I got you know I got four hundred repeats right after this, so I, I got to keep it in. It's got to be you know hard as a as an athlete. Um, so like, what are for you? What are some of your what what is your favorite event? uh, in the decathlon? And then what would you say is also your least favorite event, uh, for you personally? Um, so my favorite is probably in the decathlon, probably shot put pole vault or long jump. I really love those three. Um, everything else I obviously really like too, but pole vault's kind of that one where if it's going bad and you just hate it. And if it's going great, then you absolutely love it. I'm sure yeah. you understand that. Know, know that, uh, know that all too well. <laughs> Yeah. So there are sometimes I'm like, no, it's not pole vault. And then there are other weeks I'm like, pole vault's the best thing in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but shot put and long jump are pre pretty consistently up there. Um, I'm definitely best at long jump. Um, my indoor mark is 645 meters. And I think my indoor or my outdoor mark is like 636. It's 630 something um, for outdoor. Um, and so I definitely am best at long jump. Um, but my least favorite event is definitely 400. Like my, my least favorite event of the hep is the 800 and my least favorite event of the, uh, deck is the 400. And it's not because I don't like hurting. It's just because like, there's a point that you can't run faster. Like you are just burning and you're just like screaming at your legs to move faster and they just yeah. won't. And that like, that to me is the worst feeling that you're just like trying as hard as you possibly can and cannot put your feet down faster. Um, like, which is why partially I love the 1500 meters so much more because it burns and it hurts, but it's like, you just got to stay mentally in the game. Like your legs can do it if you're just willing to hurt for a really long time, but there's no question whether or not your legs are going to be able to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely that four and that eight are just like the worst. <laughs> yeah. It also doesn't help that the four, which I would say is the, the hardest race, uh, you know, to, to really be good at is at the very end of day one when you've already done what four, four different events. So it, yeah, it, on top of it, just already being a hard race. Yeah. Imagine having to do four other events beforehand, uh, and then, then hopping on the track. So not, not fun at all. But, nope. <laughs> uh, so what are some, uh, what are some goals that, that you have, uh, you know, f going forward? Um, I didn't know if you had like, obviously long-term you want to get the, the, the decathlon to be what an, an Olympic event. I don't know if, you know, have kind of a time frame for what you hope for that. And then maybe what are some things, uh, you're hoping on, um, athletically this year with, you know, 2021, uh, and the outdoor season. Yeah. So long-term, obviously that's the big goal, right? To get the decathlon to be recognized by the IOC and become an official event. However, um, it's, it's a little bit tricky because they already released their docket for 2024. Um, so once they've already released that, it's pretty difficult, obviously, to get them to change their mind because they give that four-year window. So the petition is for 2024. However, even if that doesn't happen, um, at least making enough noise <laughs> by that point to get them to add it by 2028 is um the like back end goal of that mm -hmm. um short term for this year is to do a few things one go to olympic trials in the heptathlon but partially because um there's a meet called the thorpe cup and it's team usa versus team germany for the decathlon and the heptathlon 
and you get selected for that meet based on how well you do at U.S. championships or, um, or the Olympic trials. So if you're not going to the Olympics, you know, you can get selected for different teams and one of them is Thorpe Cup. Um, and I talked to the kind of coordinator head guy for the multis at USA track and field and kind of the top guy for the Thorpe Cup on the German side about potentially letting me do a decathlon at Thorpe Cup. Um, and initially the U.S. guy wasn't necessarily for it and the German dude was all for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, yes, let's have a women's decathlon. It's fine, you can come. Um, and then, you know, just kind of talk a little bit more the logistics and stuff with the USA guy. And he seemed really interested after that in letting me join in. But I told them, I was like, you know, eventually the women's decathlon is going to be a big thing. And the Thorpe Cup competition will have huge bragging rights that it was the first competition to allow international competition for a women's decathlon. Like if you have a girl in Team USA uniform doing a decathlon, like that's huge bragging rights for you guys. Um, so kind of talked a little bit with them about that, but in order to go, you have to do well enough in the HEP. So I have to qualify for Olympic trials in the heptathlon and then go to the Olympic trials in the heptathlon and do well enough to be selected for the Thorpe Cup so that I can do a decathlon. Um, and through all this, I have to be training decathlon. So my year is a little bit weird, but I'm hoping for it to turn out great. Yeah. You got a lot of, a lot of busy stuff, uh, to, to do pretty much training for what double time, which, you know, just did decathlons hard enough, but then having to throw in, oh yeah, you also have to be good. You have to, you know, maintain with your heptathlon that that can't be easy. So sounds like you got a busy, busy schedule ahead of you, but, uh, should be, should be exciting. Um, thank you uh, so much, Jordan, for, for joining us. It's been, it's been awesome hearing about you, your story in uh, the decathlon. Um, I know if you could share with, with people where they could find more information about you and, and also how they could you know, help out with getting uh, the women's decathlon uh, to become a thing. Yeah, so the women's decathlon, it's at letwomendecathlon.org. There's a whole site up and there has the links to go to the petition on change.org to sign that. It's been going great. So I hope you guys can find that link and join in. And then to find me, you can find me either on Twitter or Instagram at at grit underscore goddess. And that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Jordan. Uh, did very much enjoy this conversation. Hope all of you listening did as well. Um, this has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure that you leave a like, rating, review. Really helps us know that uh, you're liking what's going on. Uh, have a good one and peace.